Welcome back to Sustainably Influenced. I'm your host, Bianca Foley. In this season, we are discussing the relationship between the tech space and sustainability. Technology has the power to revolutionise the way we live and do things, and this has never been more important than in the current climate crisis. In recent years, the world has faced increasing challenges related to global warming, loss of biodiversity and resource depletion. However, technology has the potential to provide solutions and mitigate the impact of these problems. Advances in areas such as renewable energy, energy efficiency, sustainable transportation and smart cities can help us transition to a more sustainable future. As businesses set ever more ambitious environmental, social and governance goals, their sustainability and technology strategies need to become more tightly aligned. Over the course of this season, I'll be diving into these strategies, speaking to disruptors and free thinkers in the industry who are using technology-based solutions to combat the climate crisis. So in today's episode, we'll be discussing artificial intelligence or AI. AI is increasingly being used to drive sustainable consumption. And I'm not going to lie, I don't know that much about it, but I've researched and I feel like this episode's a good one. (laughs) So AI is increasingly being used to drive sustainable consumption. And that's by helping consumers make more informed choices about their purchases and by providing businesses with insights into those customer preferences and behaviours. AI has the potential to greatly enhance sustainability by reducing waste and maximising resource efficiency. I really want to point out that we need to consider the pros and cons of how AI is driving sustainable consumption. And I think that that will help us more fully understand its impact and potential limitations. So here are a few of the pros. You will get increased awareness by using AI algorithms and they're able to analyse vast amounts of data, including consumer preferences and shopping habits, to help businesses understand the needs of their customer. This information can be used to create more sustainable products and promote more environmentally friendly practices. And in addition, AI can also help consumers make more informed decisions about their purchases by providing information on the environmental impact of the products that they're actually buying. Another one of the pros would be improved resource efficiency. So in that, AI can actually help businesses to optimise their supply chains, which is something that we're going to be talking about later on, by reducing waste and improving the efficiency of their operations. For example, these different AI algorithms can help companies to optimise production processes, reduce the amount of waste that they're generating and increase that resource efficiency. I'd say that the final pro on this would be an increased access. And I think accessibility is something that I've spoken about time and time again on this podcast. So it's having that access to sustainable products. And AI can really help businesses to connect with consumers who are interested in sustainability. This allows them to reach new markets and tap into growing demand for sustainable products, helping to drive the growth of the sustainable economy. Now, I always think it's good to look at both sides of the story. So on the flip side, here are some of the cons about using AI. A lot of the time, you've actually got quite limited data availability. So the accuracy of AI-driven predictions is dependent on the quality of the data used to actually train those algorithms. So if you don't have enough data, the algorithm will be based off of one perspective. If the data is incomplete or inaccurate, the predictions aren't going to be reliable This is a particular concern for businesses working in industries where data is scarce, such as the sustainable products market. 
Another con, I think, would be the potential for biased results. So as I said before, if you've got scarce data, you're not going to really build a wide perspective. So AI algorithms are only as good as the data that they're trained on. And if the data is biased, the results will actually be biased as well. And it can lead to inaccurate predictions and in some cases the promotion of different products or practices and not necessarily the sustainable ones. The final thing I'd say here is the dependence on technology. And while AI can help drive sustainable consumption, it's really important to recognise that the technology is not a silver bullet. Consumers must still be willing to make changes to their habits and businesses need to still be willing to invest in sustainable practices, even if they're not yet economically viable. I wanted to speak to people for this episode who specifically look at how AI is helping to drive sustainable consumption. And one of the people that I'm speaking to is the CEO and founder of Meagle Plus, Luke Berlin. And Meagle Plus is an AI-driven social impact tech ecosystem with a mission to turn consumption into cause-sumption, which I think is very clever, technology to build the world's largest AI-driven sustainable shopping marketplace. So let's get into the conversation with Luke. So thanks so much for joining me, Luke. The tagline for your platform, Meagle Plus, is re-engineering consumerism into a force for good. So firstly, could you tell us more about what it is you do and how? Yeah, sure. First of all, thanks for having me, Bianca. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Re-engineering consumerism into a force for good is actually more than a tagline to us. It's a bit of our North Star. Um, Migo Plus is a social impact tech company with the mission to turn consumerism into consumerism. And what we want to do is empower the world to shop sustainably. You might be aware of a statistic that initially came out out of Draper's Millennial and Gen Z, I think it was 2020 or 2019 report, that said nine in 10 people say they care about sustainability and want to shop from sustainable brands. But if we forget that statistic for one moment and look at it from a personal view, I'm not sure about you, but there isn't a single person I know or have met who hasn't told me that they're trying to be sustainable or that they want to be more sustainable. And I think the journey, or that journey rather, starts with what we buy and who we buy it from. The problem is for the vast majority of people, finding sustainable brands is very inconvenient and time consuming. It requires literally combing through the internet to find these brands. Because prior to us building what we have as a searchable directory, there wasn't really a dedicated place to go and find that information. So as a company, our primary objective is for our platform to make it convenient for people to just be aware of what sustainable options are available to them without any effort or disruption to their current shopping behavior online. Our second objective is to then leverage artificial intelligence to better understand consumers' individual shopping behaviors and then add an additional layer of information about their social and or environmental values to then create a tailored shopping experience by introducing them in real time at the point of research or purchase brands that make the product they want to buy but are also aligned with their values. And if you allow me just very quickly, I'd the analogy I like to give is, imagine a platform that helps you shop sustainably the way Netflix introduces you to new shows and movies you might like, right? So 
I would say 90% of people on Netflix, including myself, once I log in, I'm usually going straight for the recommendations. Very rarely do I actually go and use the search box. And that's the type of experience that we want to give to people. We want to remove the pain of having to go look for sustainable brands for the products that you want, but instead have this platform and tool that recommends them to you in real time. And lastly, it's really important for us to not lose sight of who we're building it for. So we want to make sure that there is a community at the core of what we're building. And the reason for that is we want to bring transparency and we want to foster engagement and communication between socially conscious consumers and brands. I really, really love that. I thought that was fantastic. I loved what you said about Netflix there because it's such a great analogy I personally don't go and search for anything. I go by the recommendations. I don't know anyone who would use the search bar unless they're looking for a really, really specific old show that they've yep. wanted to watch again and they've missed out on or something. I mean, like I said, that was a really interesting kind of introduction into what it is that Meagle Plus does. And the analogy is fantastic. And this whole episode is about AI and how it's enabling, I should say, consumers to make more sustainable choices. So how do you think AI is really being used to track and monitor sustainable consumption patterns in consumers? That's a really, really good question, Bianca. I know that AI is being used to track things such as water and energy consumption, which is obviously very helpful for the allocation of those resources. These are obviously managed by the organizations that provide those services, and there is a clear financial and environmental incentive to do so. But when it comes to other types of consumption patterns, I just don't think we're there yet. And this is most likely due to the fact that we've not got access to that data, right? So one example I could potentially think of is how a supermarket tracks the percentage of sustainable products or brands it sells on a weekly or monthly basis to then try to determine if they should carry similar products based on consumer demand. Now, a big consumer, a supermarket chain with hundreds of thousands or possibly millions of product IDs could leverage artificial intelligence to analyze that data and gain insights. But is that information then made available to consumers? I don't believe so. And that's something that personally I'd like to fundamentally change. I was on a panel at Green Tech Festival in London uh, last November, uh, sort of talking about tech for good, taking sustainability beyond just regular IT. And one of the points I was making is that when we look at AI and other similar technologies, we need to make sure that it's a bit more consumer-centric. And what I mean by that is we need to give consumers more visibility into how their data is processed so they can also learn from it. Currently, it's extremely difficult to have access to that data. It would require having to combine a lot of different systems that I don't think the companies running those systems would have any interest in doing so. That's where AI can sometimes come into a little bit of a challenge because AI essentially needs data and it needs a lot of it. And if you haven't got the data for it, then you're not really maximizing its potential. That's really interesting. I mean, AI seems to be a really big conversation at the moment. And with the kind of things like chat AI and all these different AI platforms out there, yeah. it's so interesting for somebody to actually say, without the information, AI doesn't work, which is very true. And I think 
it goes back to things like when you were talking about supermarkets, I was thinking about reward schemes and having like a club card for a supermarket where it's essentially collecting your data and utilizing it to provide you with items that you may want or give you money off things that you normally buy. And it's the incentivization there. I just found that really, really interesting as you were saying it, because I thought, wow, we've always been using different methods. It's just come under a different name now. Yes, absolutely. And I think as humans, we're very good at that, right? Like we're so good at figuring out new ways to call something at a level of complexity that's really not needed, get a whole lot of people confused, get some of them excited. But yes, the technology is evolving, but the concept at the core of it has been something that's been around for a very, very, very long time. And I think you mentioned ChatGPT, which is both exciting and scary because I was actually having a conversation about this today, talking about some of the concerns I have about AI, particularly the fact that every single industry that relies on human involvement is at risk, right? And so taking away the financial benefit of it and looking at the social and human side, what do we do? What do we do with all these people who are going to be displaced? Like initially, it was AI is going to replace low-skill workers, but now you have software engineers being replaced by AI. You have creative people being replaced by AI. You can write a book in 30 minutes and all these things. So I think there is some great benefit to AI, but we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that we need to make sure that it's, you know we're building a world where all humans can live and work with dignity. That is such an important part of it. And I think it leads us back into the sustainability conversation because you can't exclude people from the conversation. And that's the biggest part of the people and planet part for me is how the people factor into that. So in terms of AI and the development of sustainable products, how is it impacting that development and implementation of sustainable products and kind of like services in the greater market? I think it's doing that in a, in a couple of different ways. Maybe I'll start with what seem to be the two most obvious for me. I think the very first one is understanding how we can produce goods a lot more sustainably. And I think by that, you can sort of narrow that answer to with as little waste as possible. And so if you look at the typical production, let's say, system of a good, Prior to some of the technological advances that we see today, AI being one of them, there was a lot of human error. So let's take something as simple as creating a a T-shirt, right, by having to cut fabric. A lot of the, the fabric that was being cut, probably most of it was going into waste because, you know, let's say you need to do a rectangle and then a smaller rectangle or a triangle or whatever. Whatever wasn't being used when we're when we're primarily relying on humans was going into waste. But now with AI, we can do a much better job at actually figuring out what's the best way to cut fabric to reduce that amount of waste, right? Secondly, is looking at waste that comes from excessive supply. So you overproduce a good, there isn't quite a demand for it, and then you chug it somewhere and it becomes waste. Now with AI, you can actually do better forecasting, which essentially is how companies decide how much produce to, how much of a product to build. So with a much more effective forecasting, you're able to produce the right amount of product that you need to, again, eliminate that waste. 
And then the third one that's just jumping into mine is obviously moving goods from one location to the next. And a lot of that you can do by essentially looking at how you ship your products and good and maybe try to group products and ship them based on locations rather than based on when a product was ordered. And I'll give you a really simple example, uh, which I particularly love when I heard about this. A lot of people now are probably Formula One fans, right? Drive to Survive has been um, (laughs) pretty popular show. And you may or may not have heard that I think starting this year, Formula One has said that the way they're going to group their races is going to be based on region. So you're not going to have, you know, the Italian Grand Prix one week and then fly to Brazil in two weeks and then fly to America in two weeks, right? So they're trying to group how when they have their races to avoid all the flying in between. And I think the same thing can be done with goods, particularly for global manufacturers or global brands that are having to ship their products in different locations around the world. I think that's a phenomenal idea. It's something that could definitely be expounded on. And if more brands were thinking like that, we would have a lot less in terms of carbon emissions when it came to products being shipped. Because there's lots of wonderful brands that don't hold the product. So they they operate on like a drop shipping method. And then without having to ship things to the UK, they've eliminated it for themselves, but products still need to be shipped from somewhere. So how do you then combat that is like a rhetorical question for brands. But Well, I think it's a combination of brands and consumers, actually. Yeah. And I think brands essentially just react to what consumers want. So since Amazon has introduced uh, uh, Amazon Prime, (laughs) we've all gotten used to getting something the next day. And so consumers would also have to be a little bit more patient from brands to implement this because all these brands are essentially, you know, they're, they're fighting against Amazon from a convenience standpoint as well as from a pricing standpoint. So they haven't got a lot of levers to pull. So consumers are the ones that I think actually should change their mindset, which would then allow for those brands to find more sustainable ways to get their products to consumers. Definitely. I think that is exactly what we need. And it's something that we've mentioned quite a few times on the podcast historically that brands constantly have to fight to keep up with that demand. And if consumers were a little bit more patient, then brands wouldn't feel that pressure. Um, In your previous point, you mentioned the waste associated with production. And as this episode's all about AI, I just wondered if you've seen any like effective ways that AI has been used to improve the resource efficiency in production and even in distribution? That's a good question. I think a couple of examples sort of come into mind. One of them is how AI is essentially being used with 3D printing, which is, again, super interesting because as you or your listeners may know, what makes 3D printing really attractive is the fact that you get to essentially produce something to the very specific sort of dimensions that you need it for, which essentially eliminates any waste. And so, again, I was at a panel. It's amazing how I learned all these things by by doing panels. But I was at a panel at LA Fashion Week in November last year. And one of the gentlemen on the panel as well was talking about his company and what his company did was to 
create this super interesting fabric that's recyclable, but they made jackets entirely from a 3D printer. And I thought that was really amazing. And all you have to do essentially is send your size and they make a jacket for you. There is no waste left whatsoever. I think another example, as I was sort of thinking about it, is how you can optimize essentially your system. And by system, it could be a combination of humans, the tools and machinery that you use. People don't realize this, but a lot of time or a lot of resources and energy is actually wasted through the planning stage of creating something. And so if you can optimize how much time, what tools, and the amount of people you're using to produce a good, you can drastically also reduce the amount of waste that comes out of it. And it may not be waste in sort of physical term, but it could be waste in terms of your carbon footprint. It could be waste in terms of water usage. It could be waste in terms of electricity. All these things that we don't necessarily think about. And AI can absolutely play an important role in making sure that you're optimizing those systems to get as much benefit from them as possible. The final question, how do you think the use of AI is enabling a more circular economy? Because as you mentioned, there's waste at every part of the production and including the planning stage. And these amazing innovations like even 3D printing are just phenomenal at reducing that waste or mitigating that. But how do you think AI is enabling a more circular economy where resources are constantly reused and recycled? This is a very, very interesting question. And I think it's both interesting and challenging. What makes it challenging is the fact that circular economy, although exciting, is a bit of a tricky situation because it requires multiple players to be on the same page, right? And more importantly, a circular economy strives to, again, as we were speaking earlier, to generate no waste. Now, the challenge there is that a circular economy probably works best within a microsystem. And what I mean by that is if you have all the, from the production part of a good all the way to the recycling part of a good within, let's say, one city, it's a lot easier to have a circular economy than a macro system where a good is produced in one country and then someone uses it in another country and then it gets recycled in another country. A great example of that would be how we produce clothing, right? So most of our clothing is still produced in Asian countries, typically China, Vietnam, Cambodia, where I currently am. And then they get sold to the West. Someone or people in the West buy the clothes. And then at some point in time, they don't want to wear them anymore. They either donate to a company or an organization. And then those clothes get sent to Africa, let's say a place like Ghana. And I know this because I watched a documentary a few weeks ago about this. Now, in a system that big, it's extremely difficult to have a circular economy. And I'm not sure that AI could actually do much in terms of solving that. So when we think about circular economy and we think about the AI application of it, I think it's important to then maybe put some parameters as to what allows AI to be most effective. And I think 
it's most effective when it's, again, within a very small microsystem rather than a big microsystem. The other challenge as well is that even within a circular economy, the end goal is actually to make sure that there is a constant flow of material until it's returned to earth or nature in some kind of organic form. Again, extremely difficult to do because you need every single part of that system, and they're typically different organization, different people, to be on the same page. But what AI could absolutely do there is, A, first of all, create a framework through which the different elements of that circular system or that circular economy can be brought in, create a system, let's say, of real-time notification that allows the movement of those goods to happen as quickly as possible. For example, I bought a t-shirt six months ago. I no longer want to use it. There is a system I can go to to say, oh, I I want to donate this t-shirt. And then someone else who's on the next step of the sort of, let's let's say, you know, an organization that recycles t-shirts or whatever, they're quickly made aware of it. They come, they get the t-shirt and they figure out sort of what to do with it. And then the next stage takes on and so forth and so on, if you understand what I mean. But I think right now it's a very difficult sort of situation because most I don't really see a lot of these microsystems. I see more of the macrosystems. And within those microsystems, it's, it, it's a bit difficult for me to actually see how much of an impact AI can have, if that makes sense. Thank you so much to Luke. That was an incredible conversation. And thank you for actually taking the time to speak to me whilst you were on your vacation. (laughs) There are so many astounding examples for how AI technology is leading us to a more sustainable future. For example, AI is being used to optimise supply chain management. And that's something that we're going to speak about more here in this episode, but also in a later episode on the season, where we'll be talking about traceability that AI and technology is enabling through the supply chain. AI is allowing us to optimise the supply chain management by allowing companies to identify areas where waste and inefficiencies are happening. One of the key ways that AI is driving more sustainable shopping is by making it easier for consumers to find environmentally friendly and socially responsible products. AI algorithms can analyse a product's life cycle from its production to its disposal and provide consumers with information about its environmental impact. This helps consumers make informed decisions about the products that they buy based on their sustainability credentials. Another way that AI is driving more sustainable shopping is by optimising supply chain management. So it can analyse data from multiple sources, including production data, transportation data and consumer data to identify areas where waste and inefficiencies occur. Brands can then use this information to make improvements to their supply chain management, reducing waste and improving sustainability. Moreover, AI is really helping retailers to make changes. So that's by reducing their carbon footprint and by optimising their operations. So these algorithms can be used to predict consumer demand and optimise inventory management, reducing the amount of energy and resources required to transport goods Retailers can also use AI to monitor energy consumption in their stores and identify areas where savings can be made. Next up, I'm speaking to Hugo Empson, founder of Generous Ape, who are the counterculture of fast fashion, consciously curating sustainable style-led brands that share their values. 
They give back 10% of annual profits to selected charities, underlining their commitment to their principles as well as profit, ensuring that every purchase has a purpose. I've got a quote from their founder here saying that it's a style-led conscious platform with a curation of brands and products that ensures consumers are truly making a difference to our planet. And that's from Hugo Empson, the founder of Generous Ape. Let's hear more. Hugo, first of all, thank you so much for joining me. I think on this episode, one thing that we've been discussing a lot is AI and how it's enabling people to make more sustainable consumption choices. And I think being able to make that considered choice is so important. How does AI help Generous Ape to determine the sustainability of products offered on the platform? Yeah, it's a really difficult question because it's really layered to different categories, I guess. So with AI, I mean, it's made life a hell of a lot easier with certain things. So it's like granularity, transparency, having new bodies of people who are taking it as their like literal role as businesses are to help qualify more businesses to be sustainable so consumers can make those easy decisions. So you've got B Corp, you've got all of these different companies now that are doing that really granular detailing. But it's quite hard because like you'll find with fashion, beauty, all these different areas, they've all got very different environmental challenges. So they've got very different impact credentials. So it really helps us get an understanding of what we need to be looking for. So like, what are the bodies that we need to be looking for? Like food and drink, I'd say it's like 15 years ahead of, if not 20 years ahead of sustainable fashion. So when you look at it with food, you can kind of get this granularity quite easily of where the farm is, where the source is. Whereas with clothing, that can be a lot more difficult. So we kind of hold standards up and we say, how do we determine the sustainability of the product? So it's going down to where it's made trying to find out if it is a certain sector. So beauty, for example, that's looking at really the type of, you know, is it palm oil free, palm being the big main offender, but then with denim, say with fashion, that's water, that's water consumption. And then it's all of these different flags. So it's kind of relative to the brand, but also relative to the size of the brand, because if they're smaller brands, more embryonic, they're not going to have the same amount of money to put into being ultra sustainable from day one. And I think that's what's so admirable about those brands is they really do sacrifice so much top line, so much money um, to basically set to try and have these low impact conscious businesses. So I think there's like this balance between AI, but a lot of it also comes down to like human intuition of understanding what you're going up against. So it's definitely getting better, 100%. I'm glad that you raised that point because so many marketplaces, I should say, I think they champion smaller brands, but they don't ever acknowledge the fact that So many of these smaller companies have to sacrifice so much of their top line just to stick to their ethics. And I'm sure you've seen it and I've seen it across like Instagram, different newsletters that I receive, the amount of these small brands that are shutting down at the moment because they've had to sacrifice so much in terms of profits, their capital, all these things. And it's just, it is quite heartbreaking when you see the profits always going to the same companies and the same big five always reporting these astronomical profits, but then they're saying, oh no, but consumers are really interested in sustainability. But it's because you've got these gigantic companies essentially greenwashing with their messaging mm. and saying things like, oh yeah, well, we're totally sustainable, babe. It's like, we're so good. But yeah. it's, yeah, it's like, we're totally sustainable all the while. They've got like 
sweatshops. Yeah, I find it really interesting. So I think this leads me quite nicely on to the next question. How does AI analyze consumer behavior and preferences to kind of suggest those sustainable products and practices? So this is the interesting part. So because we like live in a hyper capitalist market, so like consumer behavior, we're all over. So, you know, like every business, really what they want to do is understand everything they can about their customer, all of the analytics, data points. It's changed a bit because of like rulings have changed in the last year and a half around how much information you could get from people online and how you could market to it. Because it was literally like taking candy from a baby because, you know, (laughs) that's the truth. It's like Facebook, the blowing up of like drop shipping and mismarketing and misguidance that it's kind of changed. So, you know, like Apple had an iOS update that changed a lot of that for people. So it made what it did was once again, left brands in a difficult situation. So you can get all of the analytics of a customer, right? You can get recordings of their sessions on your website, you can use different apps that basically follow not just their customer journey, but the heat maps of where they are on your store. That's just a simple free app you can plug into your Shopify store. But like, if you look at the deeper AI of it and you really get granular with it, you can have exit intent. So when someone's looking to move, they've been on your site and then they're looking to maybe go off your site, you can then pop up with different information. So it becomes like this ultra dopamine hit of a website where if you really look at the deeper meaning of it, it's like psychology. You can see how people, you know, you go on a website and they will have misinformation as well. So it's a really dangerous subject when you go down the rabbit hole of it, because AI is pretty, it's when we realize what we're being marketed. And it's like quite difficult when you're like a purpose-led brand, because you've got ethics. We are values shoppers, right? We are people who are like invested in wanting values within the businesses and brands we buy, quality style and design, but go on to value-led businesses, go on to fast fashion websites, and the ethics of those websites are bad. So it's not just the ethics that they have with the supply chain and the people they got there. It's the ethics they have with their customer bases. So they are more than prepared to really use almost like gambling algorithms to induce people to shop, buy, purchase in a bundle. They're happy with knowing that 30, 40% of that's going to be returned back to them. But because they don't have the responsibility, it's understanding that AI within consumer behavior can be quite shocking. And we just have to apply similar values to our side of our consumers that we're there to like really inspire them and guide them and take them in at whatever level and whatever interest to sustainability that we can like hopefully inspire what we have with brilliant products. So like aesthetic impact, quality style and design. And then fuse that with like a social environmental impact over time. So not a lot of people want to be lectured about this stuff. But over time, we can tell them that those pair of trainers represent a lot more than if you were to shop it from somewhere else. And they've got a story. Not everyone's going to be wearing them. And actually, the quality and the style and the thought behind them is really powerful. But yeah, I think it's quite hard to see. But once again, another example that probably there is probably more need for support for the brands so that's what we really champion it's like how do we support our brands because everyone's customer obsessed you know that amazon approach to like customer obsession and it's like customer at any cost it's like we'll acquire you at any cost we want to hold on to you and that's what's happened in the recent bubble is they've all just gone you know all of them have been clearing out all of their excessive staff but this customer obsession comes at a huge cost to brands 
And as a marketplace, we feel we have a bigger responsibility to our brands than our customers, because without our brands, we are non-existent. So it's what can we do for our brands to offer them the ecosystem to let them grow, blossom and inspire their customer bases. And obviously, we look after our customers at every level and every point. But it's very common for marketplaces to just be focused on the customer and forget about actually that relationship with the brand. So when you really realize that these brands are an island, you know, in like a very, very difficult space. And like you said, so many are closing down recently. It's like, well, what can we actually do? Not just as consumers, but just as like businesses that can help these people. How can we do it? And that is offering them a viewpoint through AI technology and digital education, because that is the one thing that is low exposure. If you know what you're doing, can do it well and apply simple practices, then you are going to give yourself 100% the best shot than just delegating it to an agency. So it's a really tricky one. But once again, the consumer stuff's really interesting. Like you can go quite deep on it. It's fascinating because we talk about the ethics of a brand and production and all these things, but it's how you're being marketed to as well. It all plays in, doesn't it? It's this great big like tangled web almost. <laughs> completely yeah. blown my mind then and there. I'm like, podcast done. I'm done with it now at this point. <laughs> it's, it, do you know what a funny one is? Is It's like if you actually look at the methodology behind a gambling website or a gambling app, apply those to pretty little things, all of these like fast fashion brands, what they induce is quick release, dopamine hit, like a form of addiction. So it's kind of like you have X amount of time to hit this sale. We're going to slap you with a big discount rate. It's payday weekend. We're going to push this towards you on that date, knowing that you will have money there. We'll give you all the debt facilities of Klarna if you can't afford it. We'll give you the free returns if you spend over a certain amount of money. And you're marketing that to 15-year-old kids, younger, you know. That's always my biggest problem. I think yeah. it's the fact that they're marketing so much of this to 15-year-olds. Like it's mm. like marketing it to minors that essentially don't know better. And then mum, dad, can I have this? And because they because they want to be involved and be part of that conversation, they want to get the, they want to get involved. And it's yeah, it's actually it's quite toxic when you think about it. I wanted to talk a little bit about supply chain management because that is something that I'll be speaking about in another episode on this season. But I want to see how the link is between how AI is used and the optimization of the supply chain management in reducing waste. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. And actually, that's something that has had like huge advances recently. I'd say it's for different scales for different brands, but what the infrastructure, you know, People can see the money that can be made in that infrastructure balance. So it's like Amazon's proved one really good thing to us is that managing fulfillment and the speed and delivery, you can do it. You can have a good business. You know, we all like it quick and we like it now. And the fact that you can automate that with AI, with robot management, take away people and automate what has always been like a hand-to-hand job. So they've kind of, in short, the really interesting things in supply chain management that reduces waste is you are getting fulfillment businesses. We work quite closely with one called Tupac, which is an amazing fulfillment site that basically they are automating. They've got the first sustainable sort of real sustainable fulfillment house. It's built by a guy who's spent 10 years building an amazing sustainable menswear business. He saw the need in the market. And now it's how you can automate a journey. So you can, you know, you take your order, you as a creator and as a brand don't need to worry about it. It goes to your fulfillment center. 
They are then like robotically transforming these sites. So they are run on very slick systems that make it a lot easier in terms of waste. The more interesting stuff that's happening with supply chain management now is preemptive returns. So it is, you know, looking at these new platforms that really you will shop with us. You've got the wrong size. You know, they're actually getting to you before you've got that item or as opposed to having to wait and cancel. I mean, there's two ways you can look at it. So you get sent a pair of trainers. Nike and Adidas have different sizing. You by accident order the wrong size. Long story short, they will send you the shoes while you still have yours. So in terms of waste management, it's not good. But the big offender is returns. So that's almost like the part of the process a brand can't control as the consumer. But what we can do is more, how do you get, and this is something I'd love to work on and I've been talking to a lot of people about, it's really universal sizing. Because all of this different sizing, all of these different things, when you think about it, why do we not just have like a simple Latin numerical way of working? Footwear is this, no European, none of this. Everyone gets so excited with blockchain and stuff. It's like, why don't we just do the easy stuff first? A size nine is a size nine in shoes across the board. It's going to save so much waste. But when you go back to your question, AI is probably doing the most in that space. So supply chain management, localizing this stuff as well, like bringing that to the UK. So obviously manufacturing the UK is on its knees, if not non-existent. But now since you've had this Brexit problem of long story short, if you're shipping UK to EU, EU to UK over 125 pounds, there's no point. Like, yeah, it's so expensive. You can't control the consumer. So if it's a return, you've lost your margin. So it's like these small things like governments mess up with a decision like that. But you get really smart businesses that come in and they're now finding solutions for that. And basically, the more that we can let creators and brands create and not worry about the stuff they shouldn't really need to, which is they need to manage the customer relationship. They don't need to necessarily manage the picking packing of that product. And if that can be done more sustainably with the right materials on a bigger scale, that's how you make a difference. How can you use AI to analyze a product's life cycle to provide consumers with information about, I guess, the product's environmental impact? Yeah, this is something that I think is probably probably going to be the most interesting space that changes within sustainable fashion. It's kind of like the granularity that, you know, on a Pangea shirt, they've got sort of like, this is made up of X, Y, and Z quantity. And I think this is something that will evolve is like the ingredients, which include the impact. So kind of like on the side of your milk carton, you've got the calories. It's like, that's something that I think is really interesting because B Corp's a great initial guide, right? To say, okay, but B Corp costs money. B Corp, if you're a small business, like Chloe, a luxury brand, can go and set up a department for a quarter million pounds that gets you a B Corp, right? What about the amazing business that's way more sustainable? And where's the accountability for businesses like that? And it's like this whole part of it is really looking, you've got to kind of forget the past. You've got to look forward and say, okay, well, this is the clean slate for everyone. But the hardest part where it gets lost is I think if you're thinking really practically, if you're paying a very surprisingly low rate for that product, whatever it might be, somewhere in that supply chain is paying the price, whether it's human, you know, animals, people, environment, that is the true sense of the word. So what can you do is 
the greatest innovation is really affordability, right? Is if you can make sustainability more affordable and more economically viable for people to access. So the really only innovation is we live in this huge globalized way of manufacturing, the fact that you're getting stuff made wherever shipped to the other side of the planet. It's happened with sustainability that you find most of the brands are housed in Europe, as in the manufacturing. Portugal being the real, it's like, standard bearer for it but then when you come to like the ai side of things it's all about transparency and granularity and how much the consumer cares so it's like how is there going to be policy that can basically come in and say these are the standards for meat or fish or dairy it's like that but for denim cotton all of these different credentials but I think there's this fine line between people who really care and are passionate about it and then the people who don't want to care, they want that decision made for them. And if you can get that balance between, okay, well, this is the responsible way that we can kind of create an aggregator that makes a good idea for it, that looks at the back of the pack and you can say, oh, it's farmed responsibly. But I think if I'm honest, that's the really gray area with fashion. I think the use of AI in that is just going to catapult it to this a whole new level. I think it would be really quite fascinating. I mean, does Generous Ape use AI to track consumer demand and kind of, I want to say like optimize inventory management and like when you're trying to reduce energy and resources required for things like transportation? So this is something that's quite interesting. I guess the main one we do here is we built the business around flexibility for the brands. So your typical business model is for buyer seller model is you are a brand you sell wholesale to a bigger department store they'll take an order for x amount of money and then you then are in quite an exposed position where if it doesn't sell it can go into sale or have buyback clauses it's brilliant say you've been in let's say harvey nichols but when you come out of it you know what's your next move and what are people going to think of you so we built the business around flexibility for brands. So we work off like Farfetch, a commission model. So it's on performance. So we don't hold stock and inventory because that's a reduction in waste. It's a massive reduction in terms of like production as well. Because for us, we're about selling it. Like if it sells out and a product sells out, it's a great problem to have. For us, I know that may be the wrong thought process from like a capitalist retail mindset, but In short, we set the business up really with the brands in mind at every turn point. So we kind of listen to everything they do. We then, one of the, probably the bigger thing we do is we obviously built the marketplace. Now we have an accelerator program inside the business. So we listened to the brands. We saw that a lot of them needed a lot more help with sort of strategy, with dealing with digital strategy, digital problems. So we then went from having an accelerator to building an agency within the business that then executed work. And then now we're launching sort of a shop for the business. So for all of our our brands to have access to the high street, because that became an issue for them. And I guess it's like anything, you listen enough to the people that you're trying to build this for. And we've done that at everything we've ever done. And every decision we've made with the brands have always been at the forefront of what we do. I think the really interesting part for us will be when that hockey stick moment, that sustainability and conscious consumption really becomes mass market. And I think all of us, like you, me included, everyone else, is kind of like waiting for that moment, right? It's like, how does this evolve from, and you know, you could either go down the guerrilla marketing of saying, God, how is it cool to be a fast fashion buyer? How is anything about it cool apart from reacting to 
I get it. You know, I completely get it. Get to wear what the high street, you know, like what's on the people you look up to, the aspiring brands you want to wear and get a knockoff label at a much lower price. I get that. But when you actually get down and build down into the the story and what's happening behind the scenes, you get a very different picture of what you endorse. And it's like, I really do think that we're getting to a point now where it's a ticking time bomb. And I don't think it's going to be like a gradual grow. I really think it is going to be a hockey stick. Suddenly there will be some very big shifts, which will be massively due to policy. And I think AI is a massive part in, in that. And I think it's the reporting that AI can do on this stuff that will change the gears to turn policy. I don't think it will be just people. I think it will be like the AI that will show the savings, the environmental impact, everything that we could learn. So yeah, I think it's the main driver behind it really. Thank you so much to my guests for joining me today. I think this season for me has been really fun to learn and fun to research and to prepare for because it's an area that I don't specialize in. And it's been really interesting for me to learn more about how AI is being used to kind of open up the world a little bit more and make shopping and consuming easier, but also more sustainable and more consciously led. So thank you to both of my guests today. And thank you all so much for joining me today. In next week's episode, we'll be discussing how technology is improving traceability in the supply chain. Until then, you can subscribe and listen back to previous episodes of Sustainably Influenced on all good podcast platforms. You can follow at Sustainably Influenced on Instagram and TikTok. I'm Bianca Foley. Thank you for listening. This season of Sustainably Influenced was produced by Content is Queen, sound editor Amber Miller, research assistant Toyo Douglas, and presented by Bianca Foley.